couple of things in the bulletin that are different. And uh, one is that uh, this, uh, this week, Kyle's house, our house, we're starting a new, a new gathering for uh, Wednesday night. And uh, <clears throat> under a new midweek study, the whole Christ series with uh, Sinclair Ferguson. So that's going to be on this, something new. So I encourage you, if you haven't made it a priority to be there on Wednesday night, this will be something really good to attend. And uh, definitely your knowledge of Christ and our relationship to Him is going to really, hopefully, be strengthened. So that's this week, Wednesday, either at Kyle's or my house. Uh, both numbers, addresses are in, in the bulletin. And let's see, there was one other thing. Oh, the annual meeting. Yeah, we, uh, let's see, where does it say annual meeting? Top of the page. So what we've done, and we, Kyle and I talked about this a little bit last night, uh, your grandmother passed away. Yeah, that's, you've had death in the family, but haven't you recently? It's, so anyway, that's, uh, keep his family and Kyle's family in, in, in prayer. Uh, obviously, there's going to be a funeral memorial service coming up. Now, she was not a young woman, was she? She was 90? Uh, she you was say? 85. 85. That's, that's a good age. You know, that's uh, God's gracious. And she knew the Lord, and that's good. And she's with the Lord. Yeah. Amen. But because of that, we, we have to schedule the annual meeting by announcing it two weeks in advance. And so we're announcing it this week with the caveat that it might change because of Kyle having to be gone. So he's, he's waiting to talk to the family and do some scheduling for California and whatnot. But, uh, so, but right now we're scheduled for the 28th. It could be kicked over into February, but we'll let you know and give you plenty of notice on that. The other thing this morning is, <clears throat> I don't know how many of you know about We've talked about Sadak. Does anybody not, not know who Sadak is? Oh, you're, we'll have a test on Sadak then today. It's a, no, Sadak is the guy who is the head of... Well, he's the guy that was in Somalia. And his dad ran the whole security for the country of Somalia. And uh, he became a Christian online, fled the country... Went to uh, Kenya, Nairobi. Ended up at Trinity Bible Ch Baptist Church in uh, in Nairobi with uh, Pastor Morungi, Pete's there, and uh, then he snuck his wife out of the country. I remember the story, and the kids, and you know, kind of this covert thing, and going around, and it, you know, it was pretty, you know, cloak and dagger type stuff, and. Uh, Anyway, the wife, the children, and Sadak were all out of the country. Sadak's been attending church at, uh, at uh, Trinity Baptist Church. And then last week, uh, Sadak's dad, the head of security, comes knocking on Marungi's door with two security guards that are armed. And he says, I want my son back, and I want him now. And he says, well, anyway, long story short, he said no. He says, you're a pastor. Tell him what to do. I want him, and I want him, I want him home now. And so he said no. And uh, the story is that uh, he said, well, you're a pastor. You can tell him what to do. He'll do whatever you tell him to do. Well, it turns out, he said, no, Christianity doesn't work that way. Maybe the Muslim religion does, but not Christianity. That's his decision to make. So then he says, I'll tell you what. He sent the two guys outside with the guns. He's just talking to the guy one-on-one. -on -one. He says, how about 200000 200000 what? He says, $200,000. would I'll, Right now, I'll, I'll put down $200,000 give me my son back. And, uh, you know, thankfully, he's not a health, wealth, prosperity gospel guy. <laughs> and... Uh, so he said, no, can't buy him, you know. Well, the only reason I'm sharing this with you is that I just got a text a few minutes ago from Pete saying he showed up today on Sunday at the church, so the, the security guy. 
and he says, pray for us. So uh, let's do that. You know, he says, I don't think it's anything, but I don't know is what Pete said. So yeah, he's south of... Don't know, say where. Yeah. yeah, he's hiding somewhere. I was just wondering about that recording. <laughs> recording this right yeah, I don't know where the Kyle is. Uh... Okay. Pull out my navigation and say <laughs> the coordinates. But anyway, it's 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 serious, you know. We we don't even think about things like this in this part of the world, but uh, it's pretty serious. Uh, Sadak, a brand new Christian. Some of you uh, saw his baptism online. We, we saw that. And what a testimony he had of faith in Christ. And if you don't believe in election and the sovereignty of God, just listen to his testimony. How God can pluck a guy right out of, some, uh, right out of Somalia, right in a palace, controlled by armed guards, and save him. I mean, that should encourage all of us that God can save anybody. So... Let's have a word of prayer, and we'll get started looking at our next one another. Father in heaven, we come today and thank you, Lord, for the church that you planned even before the foundation of the world. We thank you, Father, that uh, you have planted this church and are growing this church, and we thank you, Lord, for the the evidence of that that we see in our midst and, and even your kind provision daily towards its ministry. Father, we do pray for Trinity Baptist Church. We, we pray for Pastor Murungi. We, we pray, as we were talking yesterday, for this man who's head of security for the whole nation. I know that Pastor Murungi had opportunity to share about Christ and the gospel. And, and so, Lord, we don't want to come before you in unbelief, knowing that you could at any moment uh, take this man and convert him. Uh, first, you know, sometimes you sovereignly work in a family, and, and, and the spirit blows within the family, and, and then suddenly, you know, a son, a father, and others come to faith in Christ. And so we know this isn't beyond you. We see what you did in the life of the Apostle Paul, and we believe you can do that even here. But we do ask for safety and protection for Pastor Morungi, for the church there in Kenya, and ask your blessing on our time together this morning as we look at one of the one another's that you have given your church. In Christ's name, amen. So as we continue, how many more one another's do we have, Kyle? Four? Is it four altogether? Four or five. Yeah. So we're uh, moving along. And I invite you to take your Bible and look at, uh, over in Peter, 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. You know, I'm using eye drops right now, and the eye drops fog up my eyes. And so sometimes when I'm reading, they haven't cleared out yet. They're still like foggy. So if somebody wants to read for us uh, verse 10, (coughs) chapter 4, verse 10. Thank you. Yeah, so the one another here is what? Yeah, serving one another, right? So put your imagination hat on and imagine with me a different morning than today. Imagine coming to Redeeming Grace Church and you went back into the fellowship hall. You put your cup to be filled with coffee and there was no coffee. And you thought, well, maybe there'll be a sweet, because I'll skip breakfast, there'll be something sweet back there. Oh, there's no treats today. Well, that's okay, I I can get through. So then you go through and you think, well, wait a minute, Uh, Sunday school's going to start and there's going to be someone teaching, and there's no no Sunday school teacher here. And so, well, what about my kids? I I I think I left them off back there. Oh, there's no, there's no, no one teaching your children today. And there's no one in the nursery today. Well, this is an odd Sunday. Things are different this Sunday. And so you begin to think, uh, it's time for the worship to start. There's no words on on the screen. There's no lyrics to sing. There's no pianist behind the piano. 
There's no preacher to preach. And you're sitting there waiting for things to start, but nothing's starting. And then you look in that box back there, and you see the money that you put in last week is still there. Still in the box. No one's taken it, deposited it, did anything with it. And of course, the audio video, I mean, is it, is, it, is it being lively broadcast now? Well, first of all, there wouldn't be anything to broadcast, but if there was, it's not being broadcast. It's not being saved, and it's not put up on the internet. And there's people in other states and other countries that are actually watching this service, not only for Sunday school, but during church, and they're seeing a blank screen. And of course, next week's potluck, and you come with a big hungry stomach, and there's no food. What's happened to Redeeming Grace Church? And as you think about it, and I want to ask you a question, how dependent are we as a congregation in serving one another? What would happen to RGC if not, no one was serving at all? Would there even be a church? What do you think? I mean, we, we don't think about it, do we? How totally dependent we are on, on the service of others towards us and toward one another in the body of Christ. I went on the internet and did a little searching on some of the percentages. They had a percentage for a Roman Catholic and they had a percentage for Protestants. And the percentage in the, in the Roman Catholic Church of people who actually serve in any capacity at all is 16%. Now you think, whoa, we're Protestants. We're, we, we understand the priesthood of believers, and we, we know about service, and we don't have that clergy uh, laity distinction. Well, we're 20%. Now, I'm not saying Redeeming Grace Church, but just Protestant churches. About 20% of the congregation actually serves. Now, I don't know what our percentage is. You know, I, I think it's, it's better than average. I think it's, it's good that way. But there's obviously room for us to even grow in the area of serving one another. Because what happens to a church? Well, let's say we're in a church where 20% of the people do all the service and 80% are the spectators watching. Tell me about what that does to a congregation. Those who are serving get burnout. Those who serve burn out. Because more than likely, they're doing more than one thing, right? Yeah, they might be doing like this, you know, okay? Those who don't serve suffer for um, not growing and not being stirred up by others. Good, good. So those who don't serve are being what? Are, are being stifled in their growth. Yeah, stifled in their own growth. And we're going to see this morning, and the whole church is even being stifled in its growth. If, if we're not serving as we should in the body of Christ. Any other downsides of 20%? There's a blessing that comes from serving. Yeah. It should be a, not a drudgery, but a, but a blessing, right? And uh, hopefully it is. Body being Yeah, like I couldn't see this morning and somebody read the scripture, right? So yeah, that that's, that helps. But no, we're gonna go back to that illustration, that analogy of of the church and the body, the physical body, and see how this how important this is by using that kind of a, an illustration. Uh, a body where 80% of your body doesn't serve you, what do you got? You got problems. You might not be able to walk. You might not be able to talk. You might not be able to. There's a lot of things you might not be able to do if you're relying on the, the 20% to do the rest. You know, and, and sadly, and this isn't the case here, but sadly in some churches, the pastor's doing it all. And the church, the body of Christ is not serving at all. He's serving everybody. And after all, he, you're getting paid. You do it. 
you 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 clean the the bathrooms. Oh oh yeah, you you uh, unlock and open and 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 you make the coffee and 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 you teach all the Sunday school classes and you drive the bus and and you do this and that and that. When we were in Woodland uh, Church, we planted there. Uh, we, we were in the process of buying a, a building that was owned by a different denomination, but originally it was it was built by the um, LDS Church. It was well. By the way, they build good good buildings: slate roofs, brick walls, hardwood floors, and uh, so this was a Sunday our whole congregation was going to go. And look at the building and see, is this, do we want to buy this? And so we had a walkthrough after church one Sunday. And they had a little um, gymnasium, I guess, with a stage up front. And up on the stage, the pastor was sitting there with literally his, his, his head was down. And he, 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 he was just totally dejected. And I said, hey, brother, what's, what's going on? What, uh, why are you selling the building? And he said, well, I can't do it anymore. I cannot do it another week. And he just opened up and almost in tears to me and shared how he was doing every bit of service in that church to keep it going. And no one would help. And he says, we, we have to sell the building. Oh, wow. So that's not how God designed the body of Christ, by the way. <laughs> Uh, he designed the body of Christ to be a serving body. And we're going to see this morning, he, desi- he designed it to be one where as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very, very grace. So, how do we serve one another? First, let's look at the word serve. Interesting word. If you had to put it in, in the common vernacular, it would be, being like a, a waiter at a restaurant. Actually, that's not strong enough. It would be more like being a busboy at a restaurant. Be a busboy for one another. Be lowly with one another and serve one another on whatever level you need to serve one another. And how do you do that? What, what does he say here? How do we serve one another? In this verse. As good stewards of God's varied grace. By his, yeah. So what God has done, even before that, he's given us a gift, right? And the gift is a gift of service. And as we faithfully use the gift of service, we, we, we take that spiritual gift and we serve one another. So I want to look a little, little bit this morning. We can't go very deep into looking at spiritual gifts. You could do a whole class on spiritual gifts. And we probably won't answer all your questions you might have about spiritual gifts. So that's, that's not our objective this morning. Our objective this morning is to see what a spiritual gift is and how, how it's used and for what purposes in the body of Christ. But a, but a spiritual gift is a gift of grace. It's a gift given to us by God. And it's for the purpose of, it's, a, it's really a supernatural, a spirit-empowered enabling to minister and serve others for the building up of the body of Christ. And so we see, as each has received, Paul says, as each has received, implying that this gift is given out to who? Who would you say the each are? All. Every believer. I said Paul, but I meant Peter. Every believer. And... Uh, has received a gift. You know, you know, if, if, if you had to pick a chapter and a book, two books with the same chapter that talk about spiritual gifts, what would you say they are? Romans. Keep going. Yeah, what? Romans yeah, what chapter number? Do you know? 12. Excellent. Yeah. So chapter 12, 1 Corinthians, chapter 12, Romans. You have a, a long list of the gifts that are, that are there and Paul teaching about spiritual gifts. You see gifts over in Ephesians chapter 4, uh, chapter verse 11, around in there. And so we want to look a little bit about spiritual gifts. Everyone has one. That's, that's per, it's universally given to all believers. And secondly, there's a variety of gifts. As each has received a gift. And you go over to 1 Corinthians 12, and as you read through that chapter, you see, for example, that 
They're, they're sovereignly bestowed by God. God gives the gift. You don't go out and seek it. You don't go out and try and get it. You know, God gives you a, a gift. And, uh, and it's for a purpose. Because he's put you in a body, the church, like a human body. And uh, you see, as in the human body, we, each, each part that's put in the human body has a purpose and functions for a purpose. So too the gifts. They're different. Everyone has one. And they're given for God's divine purpose and enabling. Now, there aren't very many gifts given. I mean, depending on how you count them, some say 12, some say up to 14. Uh, but you take the gifts, and if everyone has a gift, and if everyone has a different gift, aren't there more than 14 people in the church? How does that work? Think about that. We'll get to that in a minute. If there's only, say, 12 gifts listed, I mean, there's more than 12 people here today, and if everybody, every one of you has a different gift, a variety of gifts, how does that work? But if you, before you answer that, go to 1 Corinthians 12, and you'll see in Romans 12, as Tim said, you'll see a list of the spiritual gifts mentioned there. And uh, let me just... Some people like to take the, this list of gifts and catalog them or categorize them uh, into maybe two or three categories. One category would be of the list, there are the, there's the temporary gifts and the permanent gifts. There's the temporary gifts that have ceased, that served a purpose with the, Apollo, with the apostles. Those gifts are not for today. The canon being sealed and written and we have it in our laps. And then there's the continuing gifts. Uh, they continue to today, the rest of the gifts. And then you take those gifts, you can kind of break them down in a couple more categories. There's those gifts that are public. You know, where you, you see that. There are people speaking to you. That's a very public gift. And there's the behind-the-scenes gifts. There's the quiet gifts, the private gifts, the gifts that many of you might have used last week that none of us even know about. God knows. You do. Maybe someone else does. And so you have the, the private gifts. You know, as I just went through the... Let me read a gift and you tell me if it's uh, permanent, whether it's temporary, whether it's, um, it's a continuing gift, or whether it's public or whether it's private. See, let's take the first one. I'll start with the hardest one first. Uh, the word of knowledge. That's one of the gifts listed. Is that public or private? Or both, maybe. Huh? Could be both. Is it a temporary or is it permanent? That's why I said this one. Oh, this one's a little tricky. Because, you know, you got different churches that teach this different ways. You got, you got those churches that say, for example, I've got a word of knowledge, and you know, Nancy has this week came down with bursitis in her right shoulder, and we need to pray for her. I'm exercising my word of knowledge. Is that true, Nancy? Oh, no, sorry. <laughs> it stoned me. Um, you've seen it used that way, right? Like these guys have supernatural insights into everything and people's lives, and they can see about their marriages and about their health. And Someone well. somewhere <laughs> some source right and of course we, we would not believe that but those who would say well that, that's a, uh, a continuing gift and it would be a public gift spoken um, you know I've read a lot on that this last week word of knowledge it seems to me in knowledge word logos put together you have the idea that you're speaking it's a speaking gift and you're speaking knowledge. And you say, well, we all have a little bit of knowledge. But, you know, I think there are some people that are gifted with knowledge and, and the ability to understand deep theological truths, the interconnectivity of these truths. They write theology books. They're the brainiacs, the smarty pants of the body of Christ. And, and, and so that, that's one possible understanding. And when they speak or when they write, they write with knowledge. And, and the church is edified and, and it's built up. 
there's also words of wisdom. And if wisdom is taking knowledge and applying it rightly, there's those people who God has given the ability, and you might know people like this, and when they open their mouth and speak, they, they see something that we all didn't see, and they bring wisdom to the conversation. You know, I've been in elders' meetings where one or, one or more of the elders don't, don't say a word. But their mind is going the whole time, and, and all the rest of us here are going back and forth and off arguing and talking and discussing, and, and the other person's sitting there listening quietly. And the more we talk, the more we're getting confused, and this person just all of a sudden speaks. And you go, yeah, that's right. Wisdom. Wisdom comes into the conversation. That, 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 that is a gift of God, to be able to know how to properly apply the Word of God in truth. Of course, you have faith. Is faith temporary or permanent? Huh? Permanent. permanent. And uh, private or public? Both. Could be both, yeah. But normally, I mean, you're just doing, you're, you're in faith. But it could be a proclamation of some sort. Gifts of healing, temporary or permanent? Huh? Gifts of healing. Not healing, but gifts of healing. People who have supernatural enablement of going around and having their apron touched and uh, people dramatically heal, huh? That was for the apostles. Yes. Ministry at the time. Authority, absolutely, yes. So we, we would say it, it, it was a temporary, we believe God heals. We, we, we believe that if you're sick in James 5, call for the elders and, and have a, pray that the righteous, faithful prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Uh, how about prophecy? That's another tricky one. Temporary or, or is it uh, permanent? Prophesy and be able to tell the future is, is temporary. Okay. To pro proclaim and prophesy the scripture uh -huh. word is not temporary. That's a good distinction to make, isn't it? And you'll see different authors, you know, writers go on one side or the other. And you have those people who believe that it is a permanent gift where people can actually continue to prophesy things that uh, aren't in scripture, you know. Dave, be careful tomorrow. You're going to have a wreck in your, in your car. That's, that's from God. No, that's not from God. <laughs> but that, that, you know, that kind of thing. Versus a prophetic gift. It could be like speaking forth with, with power uh, in, in a preaching sort of way. The Word of God. Proclaiming. The written Word of God. Not the you know, revealed, made-up Word of God, but the written Word of God with authority. Uh, distinguishing of spirits. Discernment of spirits. The, the, where would the church be without a gift of discernment? Uh, huh? That's permanent. Yeah. We need that. And we need to know those people and listen to those people. They're the antennas of the church, you know. And, and when they sense something is from the wrong spirit, you know, they're, they're, they're there warning and, and helping us. And so discernment of spirits, various kinds of tongues and interpretations. Our teaching position is that that was... Temporary, and is no longer uh, active today. Service or ministry? Permanent. Permanent. Private or public? Could be. Generally, though, it's more private than pr public, but, you know, I mean, somebody could be up on the platform playing the piano with an act of service, and in front of us all, exhortation, encouragement, huh? Permanent, giving, leading, uh, leadership, permanent, showing mercy, yeah, teaching, and, uh, and all of these gifts are given not for ourselves, but it's given for one another. And that's what I want to say to see that the gifts are given to us for one another. These are gifts given to the church to build up the body of Christ. Um, I'm going to ask you at the very end, go through some, two or three or four of these, how these would actually help us build up Redeeming Grace Church uh, in the days ahead as they're put into 
into practice. But uh, so here's a here's my question I asked you earlier: How can a dozen or so gifts mentioned in Romans and First Corinthians? How could just twelve or fourteen, whatever there are, gifts? How could they, every one of us have a different variety of gifts if there's only that many? Chances are that we have some of more than one of those. Okay. In different quantities. Okay. <laughs> kind of a blending, you think? Uh, Our own unique blending. Of yeah. Gifts. And when you talk about service, there are different kinds of service. Mm hmm. Um, there are those who set up, there are those who take down, there are those who, um, those, those who pray. There are all kinds of things that. In, in my mind, are in service to the church, but right. they don't all appear, if you will, um, in a public forum. Okay. Um, although they, they can. I mean, there's corporate prayer, there's private prayer. All of these things are a way of, of serving. Good. But there could be ones not listed, possibly. Like, they didn't have cars back then. So, like, if you pick up somebody and take them to church or bring them to church, somebody that doesn't have transportation, that wasn't listed mm -hmm. specifically. But also, like in uh, the Matthew 25, do those apply? Like, you're, you're feeding the hungry, mm -hmm. giving, uh, giving a drink to somebody thirsty, welcoming, visiting. Could be like showing mercy. One of the, that would be one of the gifts of mercy uh, or service. Show it differently. See, these are, these are things too that one would show it one way, picking someone up, bringing them to church. One would show mercy in another way, depending on what the circumstances are. Yeah. So we've all had about a year to know more to know Kyle here. Let's pick on him. <laughs> and uh, now that you've known him for a while, He's not listening to anything we're saying. Um, let me ask you this. Does he only, only have the gift of preaching? And that's it. Have you noticed other gifts he might seem to... Okay, so I'm not asking you what they are. I don't want to put him on the spot, but you've noticed other gifts. Yeah. Is that true of all of us? It really is. You know... The illustration I like to use is, uh, oh, like the Walmart, uh, or no, let's go to the Benjamin Moore uh, paint machine, the computerized paint machine, where you have like all these swatches, and you take the one that you, oh, I like that one, you know, there's thousands of them there. I like this one, you take it over to the paint machine. You know, most paint machines that are computerized only have, only draw from 12 colors, 12 colors. Very similar to the 12 the 12 gifts that we see of, of, of the Spirit of God. But I, I found out last week that if you have, and machines vary from machine to machine, but typically a machine that has 12, 12 colors can actually make 16,000 colors. By a little bit of this one, a little bit of that one, a little bit of this one, a little bit more of that one. And, you know, it's just 12, but it's like, and it's mixed together, and you get this shade, this color that's unique. And so you can actually come up with, you can take this, as you know, most of you know this, you know, you can take this to the store, and the computer reads that color, figures out the formula, and it'll go boop, 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 a little bit of this and that into the can, and it'll come out exactly like this. You know, that's a kind of an illustration, I think. It's a helpful illustration to realize that, yeah, there might only be 12 primary gifts, but there's a unique blending that God has given all of us. Some might be predominant, you know, might be your dominant gift. But there, there's various shades of other gifts that God's given us that make you, you. And me, me. And actually with that, you know what that probably means? If it's one in 16,000, I don't know, but it means that more than likely no one can replace you in this church. Do you realize how unique you are? No one can replace you. Whatever gifts God has given you is unique to you. And then he's taken you and put you in this congregation to use 
that gift, that shade, that blend, that gift for our benefit and for the building up of the body of Christ. Um, Now, I'm not saying any one of us is indispensable. I'm not saying that. Because God can bring three people in to replace Kyle. You know, it might take three to replace Kyle or four to replace you. But there's not going to be an exact clone of Kyle gift-wise coming in to replace Kyle or me or you or anyone else in the church. That's why he talks about in Ephesians 4.10, the measure of the gift. There's a measure that God gives in the area of gifting. And then with the right amount of faith being used to exercise that gift, no one can replace you in the body of Christ in a local church. So this is kind of summarizing a spiritual gift. It's a graciously given. It's freely given by, uh, it's a, for a mode of ministry energized by the Holy Spirit. God's given you a gift for the purpose of you serving and ministering energized and powered by the Spirit of of God Himself. Notice that Mary went on to read later in that 1 Peter 4 to be as good stewards of God's varied grace. So He's given you a gift, this gift, this unique blending of gifts that's you, and He's given those to you to be a good steward of God's varied grace. What does that tell us about the gift that you have? Huh? Use it. Use it. You're a steward. I mean, if God's given you a hundred bucks, be a good steward over it. Okay. I'm not going to go out and just fetter it away on candy. I'm going to be wise with what He's given me. In the same way, He's given you a gift the gift of the Holy Spirit, a unique gift. It's not like anyone else's gift. And you're not just to sit on that gift. You're not just to ignore that gift. But in faith, exercise that gift. For the we're going to see for the building up of the body of Christ. James, I certainly refer to it, but one of the things too is that the gift can change over time. Hmm. How you can serve, what you can do, depending on. Where when we were much younger, we did a lot more physically, if you will. Um, we do a lot more praying these days. These sorts of things, so that it, it changes. It yeah. Isn't, it isn't a static gift, but God uses it. That's right. And so the gift, you know, I'm not sure on this, but I'm, are, are we saying you can weigh in on this, Kyle? Because I, I think we're getting in kind of a gray area, but. Are you saying that our gifts can change in our life, or the way that we exercise those gifts might take on a whole different? Maybe that's what I'm saying, but yes. What do you think? You still have a gift. Think our gifts change? Well, I was I was tracking with what you said. Yeah. The, the exercising of the gift is going to look different over time. Yeah, it is, and I, I'm learning that too as we get older. I, you know, can't do. I mean, I used to go out at Northwest College and st- step up on a box and preach open air. I don't know. I just haven't, I don't even know if I can get up on a box anymore. So it changes. So now we might write instead of preach. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Well, even as our abilities might change, our maturity changes also. So perhaps our gifting isn't changing, but our understanding of our gifting, our mm. understanding of in, as we're growing, we realize more and more where we're aired mm-hmm. in, in using our gift, where we should be, where we can be using our gift. Like, I guess just maturity. Yeah, maturity. As, as in every area of the Christian life, maturity, and we, we learn more, we, maybe we discover something about it. I didn't even realize I was gifted in this area. You know, it was one of those more minor areas, and it kind of shows up. That's, that's real good. One question that a lot of people ask when it comes to the subject is, well, how do I know what my gift is? I know if I go to Sherman Williams, I can go to number 1025 and get the swatch, and that's it, and I'm going to take it, and I'll print it up, you know, make the, the paint. But how, how do you know what your gift is? If there's 12 or whatever, and if there's, if, um, if there's a unique blending... And that blending could be up to, in, in paint, paint language, 16,000 different colors. How would I know what my gifts are? You know, you go online. And you, you don't have to search very hard to find 
websites that'll tell you, here, here, here's a test. Just go through and answer the questions, and you're, uh, you'll find out, it'll, boop, very bottom, it'll tell you what your gift is. I think it just comes out in what you and Parker, what, what do you enjoy doing? What are, what, you know, that comes out and shows part of that. That's a possibility. Thing, but, yeah. you know. Because I know people who really desire to preach who do not have the gift of right. preaching. So you got to be careful there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But you're right. I don't want to. I want to finish by. You're right in the sense that oftentimes, the desire matches up with the gifting. Yeah. I think oftentimes others will see in you and affirm a gift. Okay. Your words are always a blessing and encouragement to me. I have a way of taking. You can live with me, right? <laughs> and application and Say a little louder. I don't think they can hear you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm teasing. Yeah, you know, you're right. Your, your gift will oftentimes be affirmed by people around you, especially the people who are spiritually mature. Right, Mary? So, <laughs> so you think about it, and uh, let's say, you know, you, you never taught publicly in your life, and, you, and, you, and you, do, you get up and teach publicly, and maybe you're teaching a Sunday school class or something, and, and you're affirmed. People come say, I was blessed by that. I, I grew by that. I changed by that. I, I was saved by your teaching, preaching, whatever. That, that, you know, that helps. That's encouraging. You have to desire. What else? Well, to start out with, you just you need to read through the different gifts and their, and their definitions. Right. And quite often the Spirit will say, that's you. Okay. Is it an audible voice that you hear? Oh, okay. Just kind of, you kind of know that's yeah, that's more you. Absolutely. And that's that's right on. That's that's it's. The others too, but that's kind of the, the, the thrust of it right there. Is that you'll realize if you look through this list of gifts, we're all commanded to be doing all of those things. I mean, are you off the hook for showing mercy because uh, you don't have the gift? <laughs> it's not my gift. I don't get my hands dirty, you know, with people and things. No. What about giving? You know, is the offering day, is only those who are gifted to give going to walk up and put some money in the box today? No, we're all called to, to give. What about uh, teaching? There's a form of, I mean, like as parents, parents are called to teach their children. Absolutely. But maybe not necessarily to teach in the public square. Correct. But we all are given a, a realm, a sphere, by which we, there would be some preaching, or not preaching, but teaching taking place uh, within the home. Uh, what about um, encouragement of one another? Are we all, are, uh, should we be all encouraging each other? Yes. Service, are we all to serve? Okay, well, I don't make coffee. I'm sorry, that's not my, my gift. Well, somebody's got to make you. coffee, huh? Yeah. Let me teach you. <laughs> I'm a certified teacher. I've been to college, right? <laughs> I don't do coffee. That's, yeah, it's, uh, and of course, what about faith? I don't, I don't exercise in the realm of faith. I just kind of stumble through my Christian life. No, we, uh, these are areas that we're all called to live out in our Christian life. Exercise your faith, right? <laughs> and, and, and the issue is, as you're being faithful, being a good Christian, there are areas that kind of, like you say, surface as being the ones that God seems to put a special blessing, empowering ability on. And, and, and it takes a while to maybe know what your gift is, and, and it does help to have others affirm it. And, uh, and so there's no shortcut to this. It's not like, don't go to the internet and take a test. That is so dumb. TV. That, <laughs> that is really, really dumb. That's uh, because it isn't something you can do through the TV or through the internet or through 
any kind of other testing that takes place. Um, any questions on that? You know, it's a little ethereal, I understand that, but it, yet, it, it, the many of you know, kind of know, have you seen over the years, the gifting has kind of surfaced, uh, percolated to the top of your life, and you can say, yeah, I, I believe, I believe this is an area. And if you say no, it could be because you're not being faithful in all the other areas where God's called you to be faithful. And so you're not seeing that develop that way like, like, like Kim mentioned. Any, any, any thoughts on that? I mean, not, any ideas or? You never go wrong with praying. Is it in your time with God in the day, where do you want me to serve you today? Right. <laughs> There's... Uh, Luther didn't make the list was extensive because he put music way high up as one of the most valuable gifts that God has given him. Of course, he doesn't mention music, but he viewed next to theology, he viewed the most important gifts that God has given us. Yeah. He will serve one another, he will express food. Interesting, and, good, yeah. yeah. And sometimes, I mean, people, when you start out, when I first started teaching, I was not very good at it. But it's clearly <coughs> calling. So I tell that one, don't get discouraged. Although if you're doing it constantly, just like a person, anybody can play an instrument, but some people have a gift of music. Right. If you're playing and playing and people are covering their ears and screaming, please stop, and you've been doing it for a while, you probably isn't your gift. Yeah. Just like teaching. If you're teaching, teaching, and it's not going on, nobody's benefiting from it, well, then that's probably not your primary gift. But some people do have one primary one. John Milton, he viewed his main gift that got to get him was poetry. Mm -hmm. Certainly, it was right. And everybody who knew him said, "Yeah, he wasn't the best orator. He wasn't the best this. He wasn't the best that. But he could sit down and write a poem that has proved to be one of the greatest poems ever." Hmm. So, the building on what you just said. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen like The Voice or America's Got Talent or any of these these shows where they have tryouts at the beginning. And uh, to see if they make it onto the show, and and they'll get someone up there, get start singing. Their, their voice is flat. They're out of pitch. They have, I mean, it's laughable. And so each one of the the judges go, no, 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 no. And then they leave and they go out into, you know, and they got the microphone there to talk to them. These people don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> I've got one of the best voices in the whole world. They're going to see. I'm going to make millions off my in a delusional state. But you can be the same way about your spiritual gifts, too, you know. You're not being affirmed, but, but I'm a teacher. I am a teacher. I am a this. I am a leader. And, you know, be, be listening and sensitive to that. We had that in my sort of theology school. We had a lady who wanted to go to school. That's what a lot of taking classes. But she kept saying, God told me to be a pastor. And she eventually left because we said, no, he hasn't. said <laughs> very clearly that is not a thing, but it did not matter. And as far as I know, she went and passed a small church, and it was a nightmare. Nightmare, yeah. <laughs> Is this the gift of questioning and doubting? Is that go? What do you got? No, I just said you need the Christian version of the gospel. Oh yeah, <laughs> Christian version. Bong. Get up in the pulpit. Bong. <laughs> Well, I I think you could proof text that from Paul, I think, couldn't you? How how important is the use of spiritual gifts in the church? How important is it that we all faithfully, as it says here in, in Peter, serve one another with the gift that God's given us, and that we're actually good stewards? What would what would happen if we're operating on 20%. 80% are spectators, 20% are just doing everything, the best they can do. What happens to the church? Well, it comes back to people who are serving being burnt out, not being able burn to out. do anymore, being discouraged that others aren't helping. Yeah, the church becomes crippled. I mean, if you take the human body as an illustration, and, uh, you know, if all of a sudden your legs aren't there and, and, and your arms aren't there and, and you're trying to get from point A to point B, or let's say, for example, everyone, let's say everyone in the church has a gift of preaching and there's no other gifts. So we have a head, a head with maybe 
50 different voices, you know, all talking. But the body can't do anything else. It just, it just talks. You got all 50 talking gifts. And, but you don't have all the rest of it. But see, God, when He makes the, builds up the church, He places severally people exactly where He wants them to be. And He doesn't give 50 teachers and no legs, and 50 teachers and no arms, or no eyes, or no ears. And each one of us is valuable. In fact, I, I think I could build a strong case to say the most valuable gifts in the church are not up front. Yes, they're valuable. Don't, don't, don't miss what I'm saying, but it's the quiet gifts. It's the serving gifts. It's the gifts that go on throughout the week in the church that are just the most valuable. I heard a sermon by uh, Alistair Begg. He was almost in tears on the radio. I couldn't quite see him, but I heard him. and he was ta- It was a funeral sermon about a lady who passed away in the church. And he was just saying, he, he exalted her, her service in the church and all the things that she had done. And he said, it, it, my ministry pales alongside of her faithful serving year after year after year year in the building up of the body of Christ. And that's true. Um, and then, the, then we've got a minute or two, but the next question would be, What's the end of all this? Well, this is how the church grows. This is how the church matures. This is how the body is built up and strengthened. Strengthened in its love, strengthened in its ministry to the community. And uh, a church where the body is not serving is a church where the body is weak, anemic, and gives a distorted view of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Notice that the next verse says, there's a reason for this, another reason for this, in order that... And everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To Him belong glory and dominion forever. And He breaks into a doxology. Amen. And so, there's a lot at stake here. The glory of God's at stake. The building up the body of Christ is at stake. And what we need to do is, 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 is be faithful in taking the gift that God has given us and faithfully serve one another. And, and then God receives all the glory. Anything someone would like to add before we close in prayer? Selfish. But yeah. They're looking, but they, when they see a church in which their service and cheerful service, um, whatever your gift is, whether it's a big one or a little one, when they see that, they will at least pause and, and, and want to know a little bit more mm-hmm. about that church. Why is this different yeah. in the world? Yeah. We could be just like the world. We could, you know, have the rock and roll music. We could do all of these other things. But if the word isn't taught here, you're not giving them anything. Right. And the word, the word can be taught, all the rest of this has to be done. And there's a sermon coming from each one of your lives every Lord's Day when people are here gathered together. And... Uh, Yes, there's a sermon from the front, but there's also a sermon from the pew. Yeah. I'll, I'll, yeah, Julie. If, if a person wants to serve but doesn't know where to go, now how do I get on the list? Come see me. <laughs> see you? Yeah, come see me. <laughs> so, yeah. I'll put you on the working party. Yeah. There's a lot of things that could be done better than we're doing if we had more servants. Where is the, where do they go? Who's the main person to go to? Well, the main, uh, the main person I would point them to would be the deacon of our church. And then the deacon would then make 
know where, where to go beyond that. But I mean, you know, if a deacon came to me, I could share some things. If a deacon came to Jake or Kyle, I'm sure we could share things to the deacon. And uh, It's not like, I'll tell you, we're going to put you on the waiting list and there will be ability to serve in about six months. You can actually get to start, put your ground feet to the ground and start today. Yeah, it's there's there's needs and uh, and you know the as we grow, it'll be nice that some of the things that are being done by some of the people in the church that are doing way too much, but they also so they're such servants to the core. They see it and they do it as they divest themselves and more people are involved in some of those other ministries. The church overall is going to be strengthened, and that person or persons isn't going to be burned up or burned out or whatever. Yeah. I think yes. I've witnessed people who truly are looking for where they can be used. And I don't, I'm don't. i not saying this is every person who... Some people just may not know how to start. But I think in general, when there is that urge, that, that burning desire to truly like serve and to truly see where, it's going to be... Ob- it, they're going to start asking. Just They're just going to start talking to everybody. They're going to be like, I just, I, what do I do? Like... And it's going to be obvious to that, like the person that they're talking to, whoever it is, Lord willing, if they're serving, they're going to be like, uh, well, I'm, I know what I'm doing. You can either join me or I can point you in a different direction. Like, even though, yeah, there is one deacon that, or deacon maybe more um, to go to, there also is everybody in the body to talk to yeah. and, and, and we should all be willing and able to help point others in a direction mm-hmm. that they should go yeah. or could go. Um, I, I also think when Tony was saying, just hitting on what somebody comes into the body and sees, they're seeing a purpose. They're seeing what the body is about when the body's all functioning. They're not, they're seeing that, oh, everybody has. Everybody is involved in this. Everybody has a role. There's there's a true life to the body, not just. Um, I mean, yeah, we all serve to hear the sermon, but we we, we serve to live with, among one another. Mm-hmm. And when we serve to live among one another, we know one another. That to somebody from from the world is like what? Like that? That's that, that doesn't make sense. Yeah. I know when Mary and I were unsaved in the first church where we finally heard the gospel, I think the witness of the congregation was as loud as the pastor. I know the pastor, this goes way back, a long time, was preaching from Ephesians 5 when I went to the church. I remember the sermon. But I also remember the sermon that came from the congregation that just witnessed to us, there's something real here. We didn't know it. We didn't understand what it was. We just knew there's life here and there's something different. We'd been to all the mainline churches and that we didn't see any life. We didn't see any any sense of mutual love and service. But we did there. And I'll tell you, two sinners that went to church that Sunday, a week later, God brought us to faith in Christ. So I, I know this can be really impactful when, when people witness this. And uh, and, and I hear, I'm, I'm getting rumblings, and Kyle might be as well, that there are those who, 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 who their testimonies, they've seen and heard it here. And that should encourage us. You know that uh, we're we're growing. We're, 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 but on the other hand, uh, people are witnessing that, and I've I've heard about the love that they experience, and I mean Pete. I heard him on the he shared his testimony the other day on the phone, and he was saying, you know, when I first and he remembers the person. Listen to this. He remembers the two people he talked to when he walked through that door, and what was said, and what the rest of the church did on that Sunday. And it impacted him even down to today. So yeah, it, it's a huge, it's a huge witness, and uh, and God gets the glory, right? That's the point of the uh, chapter, verse eleven. Let's close in prayer. Thank you, Lord, for again speaking to us through your Word. Lord, you have graced us beyond salvation and forgiveness and regeneration and imputed righteousness, Father, all the blessings that are ours in Christ in the heavenly places. But you've gifted us, Lord, with the empowering enablement of the Holy Spirit to minister in a very specific way to one another. I pray we'd be good stewards over the gift that God has given us. Not one person here as a believer is exempt. And I would pray you would help us, Lord, to, in faith, 
exercise these gifts toward one another for the strengthening, the building up of your church here in Cody. In Christ's name, amen.